The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners. Hey, we've had some nice fall weather, so we're in October and cooler temperatures. And today we're covering chapter six, loyalty versus ladies from my book. Now, if you want to learn more about The Savage Path, a memoir of modern masculinity, or order a copy, just visit my website at www.thesavagepath.com. I've reduced the price of both the paperback and the Kindle version while we promote the book through this series on the show. For just $4.99, you can download the Kindle version, and you can't even get a burger like that anymore. I state in the opening of this chapter that I believe God has three common purposes for every man. We must find a work to do, a woman to love, and a will to obey. So late teen years are typically when young men become more infatuated, let's say, with the uh, the woman to love experience, which can sometimes put him in competition or conflict with his buddies, presenting a loyalty conflict. My guest today is a 33-year-old chef, hospitality entrepreneur, and owner of Rad Foods, serving the greater Bozeman and Big Sky area of Montana. He also happens to be the son of a previous guest on the show, Dr. Clay Brown, another 40 years plus friend from my college days. So I've known Austin since he was a little white-headed, naughty little boy. And uh, Austin Brown, welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Uh, it's certainly been interesting, you know. You've known me since I was a child, but... You know, hiking with you and dad out in the great wilderness, getting to know you on a different level and what you're about and things that you're trying to do. Uh, I should appreciate you having me here today. All right. Well, thanks for agreeing to be on. You know, so you're one of my younger guests. And so you you represent a, a different demographic. And, uh, you know, and I think that's going to be real valuable to our audience. So and, and you have an interesting background as a young man. You know, you did things your own way. You know, so why don't you share a little with our audience on your path to becoming a successful private chef in Montana. Uh, yeah, uh, to say the least, I've certainly always done things my own way. Not that I haven't always had the you know, care, support, and love of my family and gut. I definitely chose to walk my own path and do things my own way, you know, to my detriment at times. But it's brought me to where I am today, and I'm grateful for every twist and turn. Um, and I guess to the current business that I'm running today, after college, I was... Felt a little bit stuck living in Houston, Texas. Wasn't really doing what I wanted to do, feeling fulfilled, successful, kind of going through the motions. So I took a little bit of time off to travel. Found myself in Montana. Decided I didn't want to stay or didn't want to go back to Texas, rather. Um, started working in restaurants, chef in leadership positions, and you know, slowly but surely was able to carve out a niche. I found something here in Montana that was unique that I couldn't do in other places and that people valued and, and, and wanted. And, you know, slowly over years, I was able to grow it into the business that I have today. You know, I've owned a private restaurant, invested in 
a few other smaller ones doing really neat things, traveling all over the world, meeting famous people. Um, I, I don't quite know exactly how I got here, but people keep calling me, so I'm very grateful for that. Well, I've seen your operation in action when we stayed there ahead of uh, one of our uh, outdoor trips. And, uh, you know, people were working very hard, and the food was exquisitely delicious. So uh, well, I, think, thank you. I think having a quality product uh, means a lot, and I know you, uh, you're you doing quite well. And uh, I'm proud of you just because I know how hard you've worked to, to make that yourself. So, well, so, so in Chapter 6... I share a humorous story about my lifeguarding days at the Air Force Base, where my father worked, uh, to illustrate the instinct versus intellect battle young men face as their testosterone begins to ramp up. And so let me uh, read a little excerpt here beginning. uh, Let's see. Most of the enlisted men stationed at Goodfellow Air Force Base were about the same age as me, just out of high school and enlisting in the military for various reasons rather than going to college. These guys were all smart because the school at Goodfellow was for the intelligence jobs in cryptology and linguistics. When you enlist in the military, they want you to get everyone on the same level. So they shave your head, issue uniforms, and do as much as they can to remove individuality. All these guys were young, athletic, had shaved heads, and were even issued the same standard white government-issued swim trunks. There was one very notable exception to the new class of students an extremely attractive young woman named Joanne who came to the pool quite regularly to sun and read her books. And this was uh, the pool that I was the head lifeguard and pool manager at. Uh, In 1978, cover girl makeup was quite popular, and all of the up-and-coming supermodels were the ones on the boxes of their products on the shelves in the stores and magazine ads and in television commercials. Cheryl Teagues was the primary spokesperson at the time, and she wore a white one-piece bathing suit with green polka dots in all of those ads. Joanne wore the same bathing suit on many occasions, and in the estimation of most of us around the pool, was every bit as fetching as Cheryl Teague's. The group would exhort each of the young Air Force recruits one by one to make an advance on Joanne. Each and every time, they were shot down in flames. As the head lifeguard and pool manager, I was simply an observer to these sorties over a period of several weeks. These guys were my buddies. They were taking the public rejection pretty hard. She was a total snuff queen, as we used to say in West Texas, and she would systematically snuff out any hopes they might have had for even a conversation, let alone a date. Those guys were my friends, and I did not like the way she was treating them. Perhaps they were all competing you know, for a very small number of exclusive assignments. Their training was finished or... Perhaps she knew they would all be transferred to different locales around the world, so why begin a new relationship? It didn't matter to me. I had judged her as cold as ice, and I would not give her the satisfaction of adding me as another notch in her lipstick case, as the Pat Benatar song says. But I could not totally suppress my instincts either. I found her extremely attractive, just like everyone else. Now, most days, I would take a 15-minute break to practice my diving before climbing up in the stand for my shift. I was an above-average diver, and maybe the the best in my town of 90,000 people, so I confess that I was a show-off. I knew that Joanne always watched me closely when I would dive. I would do handstand dives and hold the handstand for as long as I could make, uh, as long as I could to make sure I had as much attention as possible. And one day, after an excellent diving session of clean entries and after flips and twists, I climbed up into the stand with my Ray-Ban mirrored sunglasses on and began my shift. Lo and behold, Joanne 
came up to me at the side of the lifeguard stand. My male Air Force friends were incredulous. She knew my name, I, I guess, from overhearing conversations for weeks. She slowly raised her sunglasses to reveal her magnificent eyes and softly asked, David, where did you learn to dive like that? I was melting like butter inside. True warfare was taking place between my instinct and my intellect, but my loyalty to my friends won the day, and my intellect and reasoning prevailed. I thought to myself, this gorgeous creature needs little taste of her own medicine. So I just looked at her silently, with my sunglass mir mirrors, you know, reflecting her own, and simply pointed to the sign mounted on the side of the lifeguard stand. Please do not talk to the lifeguard while on duty. To say that she was indignant would be the apex of understatement. She quickly spun on her heel and returned to her lounge with sun hat on, sunglasses down, and nose placed firmly in her book. Okay, that's the story, a little excerpt from the book. Uh, so, you know, I was choosing to be loyal to my friends, even though I was really interested in her myself. And, uh, you know, in, in that case, you know, my intellect kind of won on my instincts. But, Austin, what went through your mind, you know, as, as you read that story in the book as a reader? Well, first of all, you snuffed the snuff queen, which is, you know, pretty great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, also kind of funny, you know, that young men, even saying words like snuff queen anymore, you know, that kind of way. You know, if you don't refer to the woman as strong and empowered and making the right decisions these days, even saying things like that in jest, but you kind of look down upon, which is super unfortunate. Um, what was going through my head, you know, the first time I read the book, I was kind of trying to see the world through your eyes. Um, understand where you were coming from how you saw things really, you know, just trying to get a feel of the message that you were trying to put out. Second time I went through that passage, you know, I started to think just how much you and my father are actually alike. <laughs> yes. He, he could probably, well, because he did the exact same thing. You know, he, he, he and his brother ran the local pool. You know, he was a lifeguard manager, stopped to pull the most beautiful woman he could. Yes. You know, I tried to stack the odds and more than likely probably, you know, I don't know how much loyalty was in, was involved there, but we all knew what he was trying to do. Um, <laughs> uh, and, then, and then the third time I went through it, I tried to look through it in my eyes, um, trying to see how I related to it. You know, I don't often sit and look back and wonder, you know, how I felt as an adolescent and what I learned and what I took away and questions about loyalty, which are things that I should probably do much more because you can see the contrast and the similarities between, you know, your life back then and today. And, you know, I can certainly remember, you know, that feeling of being around a group of boys, you know, especially, you know, team sports, seeing the pretty cheerleaders or, um, you know, groups of friends that are out in the evenings, you know, finding women that, you know, that one beautiful girl that we all pined after. I mean, it was definitely, definitely relatable. So it was a good place to put that within the book. Um, yeah, and uh, I have I have to say that uh you know when when the other guys saw that they almost carried me on their shoulders around the pool and I was like, you know, worshiped as the the hero uh, of the other guys and that that's a great feeling, you know, to have the admiration of your male friends. And and I don't think uh people recognize really the value of that and how how much people crave that. 100%. You know, I in thinking back, you know, I definitely could think of a time and not, I mean, actually even more recently is what it tied me to. Maybe not even at a younger age was uh, with a near and dear friend that I have close to me as well. 
with a certain particular woman who, you know, he was just absolutely infatuated with. But you could clearly tell that, I mean, she wanted nothing to do with the guy. I mean, this guy was inviting her out, trying to buy her clothes, buy her presents. And uh, being a modern female that she was, I mean, of course, loved the adoration and took the gifts. But you, you could clearly tell that she was more interested in myself than she was into him. And us having a working relationship, us being near and dear friends, I, I think it was a true example of my own loyalty when she approached me and asked if I want to do anything to be there for my friends, to be there for my compadre and actually turn her down. But, it, you know, it's it's definitely something that I think you deal with not only in adolescence, not only in your teenage years, but actually, you know, continuing into your adult years as well. Right. Well, um, in the study guide, the back of the book, I reference scripture to frame a small group discussion for each chapter. And for chapter six, it's first Chronicles 12, uh, verse 33. And it says, from the tribe of Zebulun, there were 50,000 skilled warriors. They were fully armed and prepared for battle and completely loyal to David. So, Austin, what does being completely loyal to someone else look like to you in, you know, in a battle situation? You know, I, I sat down and thinking about this. You know, well, a truly loyal soldier, I would believe, would be one who supports the leadership stands up and stands up for fellow soldiers. This kind of generates a confidence and trust and commitment that causes these soldiers to risk everything to succeed. You know, they have, through that loyalty, that trust is formed and a bond or a community is created that really fuels loyalty. I mean, the, the loyalty in battle fuels success. Without it, I mean, there's really, there's no camaraderie, there's no community, there's no going out on a limb for the man next to you, and there's no truly listening to leadership. And I think it's absolutely everything in battle. Right, and and there's also no success, I might add. But right. To, so how about in today's no, world? How about in today's uh, world in Montana, they, you know, like with like with your best clients, you know, are they are they pretty loyal to you? Yeah, you know, I, you know through the years... In running this business, you know, I, I think I, I think it's a two-way street. I have clients that have, you know, I earned it. It was it was it was an earned aspect, but through what I've done for them and gone out on a limb and put them in front of other people or in front of myself would probably be a better way to put it. Uh, they've come to trust me, come to value me, and you know, when there are many other options out there, especially. You know, of course, others see your success and try to and try to or not reciprocate, but try to imitate. Um, I, I do very much see that. I get calls back when they have many other options. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's important in business, especially. I mean, to have loyal customers or loyal, uh, you know, clients, loyal suppliers, you know, is is really important. You know, we're finding like the supply chain situations right now. You know, people are just like, right, you know, just move on to the next guy. And, you know, I sold in the in the petrochemicals and refining industry chemicals are really important. You know, it makes the world go around in a lot of ways. And uh, pe most people take it for granted. But, you know, when a procurement person has power and they just try to commoditize your whole offering is, it's, look, it's just the same. The only difference is price. We're going to just bundle it right. all up. And, and then uh, – you know, that there is a big difference in service and support and, you know, after the sale. And 
uh, unfortunately, it's not the procurement guy who finds that out. It's the user or the people who need it. And, and then, you know, that's that's when poor customer satisfaction issues. And so loyalty is something that I think is uh, kind of falling out of favor, but still extremely important. You know, do, do you have another example of when, uh, you know, there was just a good situation where you demonstrated loyalty to a friend and it was really appreciated? Uh, absolutely. And not to relate everything to business, but that's kind of what's most prevalent in my life. But in my line of work, you know, we cater these high end events, so small parties, tasting menus, um, really, you know, just throwing these excellent parties and what goes hand in hand with the private chef would be the private bartender. Now, one of my closest and best friends here in Montana that I've known the entire time, actually, funny enough, I met him in a year backpacking through, uh, backpacking through Idaho, Park Parks the Trail, which I think you guys were just on, actually. In the Bitterroots. Um, yeah, in the Bitterroots. That's what, I mean, we met him out there. We moved to Bozeman and Big Sky together and both got into hospitality. And through what we both did, you know, I went the route of the chef and started this private chef business. And he went the route of the bartender and started this bartending business. Now I get calls all the time for, you know, hey, you know, can we bring the private bartender, this and that. And since the beginning, I've always fed him the business. But the other day, you know, it clicked in my head, you know, why Why am I doing this when I could easily keep the money on the inside, hire my own bartender, charge twice as much, and profit from it? But it's a true example of loyalty because this guy has been in my corner and I've been in his corner for the last seven years that I, I've, I've opted not to expand my business. I've opted to promote his. Um, That's a terrific example. And I... And I, I, I Right. I don't think a lot of people in my position would have done the same. Right. Oh, no. Not, but I've seen, not today. <laughs> I've been able to watch him grow and his business grow. And, you know, it's, it's turned into this amazing partnership where we both refer each other. And it's, it's it truly, well, there might have been a, a small dip in monetary value to it. It's, it's certainly paid off remaining loyal. The friendship has stayed. And you know, I couldn't be happier with the decision. Well, how about uh, an example of someone was disloyal to you? And, and how did it make you feel? Well, again, we're going to go back to business, but, uh, you know, I had this protege, we'll call him Dave. Um, <laughs> you know, I, for the last five years, I, you know, as a younger kid, I put my heart and soul into this guy, taught him everything I know. I mean, watched him mess up, fall on the ground, lifted him up, put him down. Um, and basically taught him everything that I know, hoping, you know, that one day he would help me grow what I have or go off on his own and, and grow something that he starts. Um, and then actually in the last six months, I watched him actually enter a relationship with someone who I'm I'm not too keen on. It pushed him in different directions. You know, he's maturing as a man, you know, being so young and stepping into adulthood and learning new things and, you know, having the influence of a woman telling him what he should and shouldn't be doing. I watched the guy leave and, and take his talents that I, I essentially taught him and he'd go to work for somebody else. And, uh, you know, after spending five years on somebody caring for him, being was a little brother, the trust, the loyalty, the camaraderie, to watch someone take that and essentially walk away from it was was truly heartbreaking. Yeah, I think I think particularly in the workplace, uh, I know, like for example, I worked uh, for the highway department when I was uh, in college. You know, and I was on a survey crew and. There was a an, an older gentleman that came to work on our survey crew, and he was actually having to swing a sledgehammer and drive great hubs. And he had worked for Sun Oil Company for like 35 years, and he was about one year from retirement. 
and they decided uh, because you know it was tough that, that they just pushed him out and cheated him out, and he had right. to go find another job. Lost all of his retirement, and so there were a lot of stories like that. And then people just became disloyal. You know, the, you know, people don't work a uh, long time for companies anymore. You know, because there's not loyalty no. on on either side. Now, I I worked for right. 31 years for a company, but. Um, the lack of loyalty today, I mean, I'm, I watch a lot of college football and, you know, this transfer portal now, you know, they don't have any loyalty to the university. And so, None. uh, it's, it's, uh, it's concerning to me because loyalty, uh, does have, you know, it's, it's rewards. And what, what would you say are some of the, the rewards of loyalty in any, in, in, in marriage and friendships and business, uh, you know, you got some illustrations of the rewards of loyalty. Like you said, uh, and you touched on it just a second and throughout this conversation, um, you know, modern societal practice, you do, you, you see loyalty, not, not thrown out the window, but it is, it definitely takes second seat to self-preservation. I think an individual that can demonstrate loyalty reaps tons of benefits. Um, you, you get to see some uh, doors open to those that people, doors open for people who others know they can trust who others know that they can rely upon. Like you said, with these individuals that are hopping jobs and moving football teams, cycling through partners, I mean, they tend to create a resume in which no no one's in favor of trusting them, giving them chances, or even allowing them to build a community. But I I think some of the rewards, you know, if I didn't put it properly there, in being a loyal individual, our doors do open. Communities are built your personal satisfaction. I mean, just the feeling of knowing, you know, I held my ground. I stuck up for another. I protected my family. I I was there for my wife. Um, creates a sense of fulfillment and 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 self gratitude and, and humbling that you just you really can't get in any other way. I mean, it's anyone can hop. Anyone can, anyone can switch teams. Anyone can can favor themselves over being loyal. But I think it speaks a lot to one's character. Um, you know, when they dig in sometimes, yeah, other people value it as well. And I, well, it's important. It's important in terms of reputation and how you're esteemed and important right. of, of your own opinion of yourself, because you know, when you're a disloyal person and that you're not trustworthy, like you said, the job hopper on the resume and people are just like, man, I don't really want to take a chance on that guy. And it's going to, it's going to have long-term consequences. And it's hard, it's hard to shake that, you know, once you've already established yourself in that uh, position. So we're kind of winding down on the time. You know, you got any final thoughts or suggestions to younger men out there listening to this program and just thoughts on loyalty? Yeah. Yeah. You know, coming from someone like me who definitely, as we, as we talked a little about in the beginning, um, followed their own path. I think in a world where the rules are constantly changing, um, you know, finding the right mentors, reading books like the one that you've written, listening to your podcast, find, finding a sense of community, and actually seeking out opportunities to be loyal, to create that camaraderie, that community. Um, you know, I, even from someone like me, you know, it took me to my mid-20s to actually finally start understanding that, but it's never too late. The opportunity is always there. And you know, why you might not see instant gratification or benefits, you know, sometimes in the best the best things in life are things that you have to work towards. All right. You have to take your time. Yeah. Well summed up. So 
In closing, uh, I want to thank uh, our sponsor, Prism Specialties. Uh, they're in the restoration business, which makes them the perfect sponsor for the mission of this show. And, you know, Call them to restore electronics, fabrics, artwork, even documents. And once again, visit my website, www.thesavagepath.com, to learn more. And I'll just close with a quick prayer. Lord, we just thank you for Austin and for his growth and maturity and for his success in his business and for his loyalty, uh, especially in his marriage uh, where he has had to work through some issues. And that's an example that we don't see too much of today. And we just ask that you would bless him for that. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. We believe the winners in this ring courageously follow God's word, love and protect God's woman, excel at God's work, batters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.